So we're going to discuss now the final prophecy of Bilaam, which is actually the greatest prophecy of Bilaam, which is the prophecy of the end of days. So here's how the story goes down. Three times Bilaam was tried to curse the Jewish people. Three times they built the altars and the seven you know, sheep and the seven oxen, the seven rams and seven goat, uh, oxen, etc. And now Balak sees... There's no way that Bilaam is going to effectively curse the Jewish people. He realizes that all hope is lost, and he's very, very depressed. And so he says to, uh, to, um, to Bilaam, get out of here. I was going to give you blessings and money, riches and wealth. Obviously, you don't deserve any of it. Yeah, get, get lost, etc. So Bilaam says to Balak, don't worry, I'm going. I am going to my nation, to my people. However, when he says my people, there's a reference over here that he knows that he's about to lose his powers of prophecy. Hashem had given him the opportunity, he had a whole discussion about the free choice of Bilaam and how he made the choice to use his powers to try to curse the Jewish people instead of using his powers in a holy way, in a proper way. And now that he had failed his test miserably, the power of prophecy was no longer needed amongst him. Hashem had given prophecy to the non-Jews and they had obviously misused it. And so now Hashem is going to take away the power of nevuah, prophecy from Bilaam. He would still be a soothsayer and a magician, but the power of prophecy that God would talk to him was this was the last time God would ever communicate with him. And therefore he says, I'm going, I'm going back to my nation, meaning I'm going back to being a regular person. I'm going to lose my special prophetic powers. But before I go, two things I'm going to do for you. Number one, let me give you advice. The advice he's going to give him is about seducing the Jewish people. We'll talk about it much greater length soon, which is in very short. He says, I know that the Jewish people, their God, hates immorality. The way to get them is by making them immoral, because when they're immoral, that's when they're spiritually vulnerable, and God doesn't protect them anymore, And which we'll get to that story soon. And then, but he gives that advice now, and then he says, let me tell you what is going to happen to your nation at the end of days. Here's where that famous expression, the end of days, comes from right here. Meaning, don't be afraid of the Jewish people now. The Jews are not going to attack you now, which, by the way, we already knew from the beginning of the parasha, we already knew. Even last week, the Jewish people asked Moab for permission to travel through, and when they said no, the Jews walked away. We went further north. But he says, don't worry about them, not going to attack you now, but let me tell you what's going to happen at the end of the days. And so here we're going to come to some of the greatest prophecies in the Torah, which is the prophecies of the end of days, of Mashiach, of Mashiach. And why that prophecy of Mashiach has to come through a non-Jew. Now, why, why would God say that the prophecy of Mashiach is not given through Moshe or through uh, you know, another of the great Jewish prophets? It's given through a hater of the Jews. And I, I may have mentioned this very briefly, but the point is that... In order for ultimate transformation of the universe to take place, it has to come from the bottom. It has to come from the bottom. If a Jew would say Mashiach will come, and a Jew would say that there's going to be a Messianic era, we're going to read in a few seconds, we're going to read in two minutes, we're going to read how the whole Messianic era is about a transformation of the nations, then it can't only come from a Jew saying that. It has to come from a non-Jew recognizing that my way has been a way of separation from God, a way of failure, and the ultimate is from God himself. It reminds me of a story, it's a joke, it's a true story though. There was once a Masnagat, a non-Hasidic Jew, who asked a Hasidic Jew, or maybe it was Lubavitcher, what will you do if Mashiach comes? And I don't believe in him. Now, you guys always talk about Mashiach, 
What will you do if Mashiach comes? And I don't believe, I don't accept the rest of Mashiach. And you do, what will happen then? So the Chassid said, if you don't accept him as Mashiach, the Mashiach that you won't accept, I won't accept him either. Meaning if there's going to be anyone in the world, in the universe, that won't accept Mashiach, then he's not the real deal. Understand? It's going to be a universal transformation. Okay. So what does Bilam say? And that, by the way, that's exactly like the story of Yisro. In which parsha do we have the giving of the Torah? The, most, the greatest divine revelation of all revelations in the entire Bible is Ten Commandments, right? By far, that is, hands down, the greatest moment of revelation in all of the five books of Moses. And what parsha is that in? Parsha called Yisro. Also a non-Jew, in fact, actually colleagues of Bilam. They were both advisors to Pharaoh. And yet Yisro, the same exact thing. The Torah, the Torah could have given the... The fact that Yisro converted and came a Jew does not have to be the parsha in which the Ten Commandments are given. The Torah deliberately says that in order, there's a hint here, in order for the Torah to truly transform the, the, the world below, to be a breaking of the separation of above and below, which before the giving of the Torah, the heavens were the heavens, the earth were the earth, they were separated, now they were combined together. In order to break that separation, it could only come in the parsha where the non-Jewish prophet, and the non-Jewish, he was not a prophet, he was a priest, who recognized and worshipped every single idol in the world. When he recognizes the truth of Torah, the truth of God, that's, that's when you can truly have a... So what's the actual prophecy of Bilam? Let's get to the actual prophecy, right? So, he begins his parable, and he says, So speaks Bilam, the son of Ba'ar, the word of a man with only one eye open. As we already discussed, he has only one eye, He's, but with his eye, he could see prophetically. Uh, listen to the words of the one that hears Imrekel. I can hear the words of God. What God says, he spoke to God, he was a prophet, right? So listen to the words of the man who hears God's sayings. Here comes something else he never said before. All the other prophecies he started off. Listen to Bilam, the son of Benoi, the one that hears God, the one that has open eyes. Here he adds a, a praise to himself. That he knows the mind of God. I mean, because here he's prophesying not just what God told him to say. Here's where he prophesies what's in the mind of God, metaphorically speaking, what's going to happen in the future. That wasn't, this is not part of the prophecy. Meaning it's a prophecy, but it's not what God put into his mouth to say. So here's, I know, I see the vision of, I know the mind of the Most High. Fallen yet with open eyes, as we discussed in the Monday class. His eyes are open and he fell. Okay, so what's the actual prophecy? I see, but not now. I behold it, but not soon. So there's two things here. One, I see, but not now, is a reference to King David. The future of the Jewish people is that they'll have a king. King David will destroy and conquer all the surrounding nations, including Moab, etc. will conquer all the lands around him. But that's not now. That's from 400 years from now. Before 400 years till the Jews have a king. I see, but not... But in the distance, Asherah of the curve that I, uh, that I behold it, but not soon, that's much further in the future, the coming of Mashiach. We don't even know how, but it's, you know, now, it's a few thousand years, but okay. Darach Koychav Miyakiv. A star will shoot out from Jacob. Reference here is to Mashiach, who is a shooting star that will shoot out from Jacob. Become Shevet Mi Yisrael, and a ruler, literally a staff. A Shevet means a stick, but it also means a ruler who rules with the rod, who rules with the staff will arise 
from Israel. This king that will arise from from Israel, umochatz maase poyav. He will uh, strike the princes of Moav. He will undermine the autonomy of all of the descendants of Shais. So he'll pierce the corners, means he'll destroy all the kings. All the leaders of the king of a kingdom of Moav will be conquered and destroyed by Mashiach, and he will undermine the authority of the descendants of Shais. Who is Shais? Shais is no. Shais is the son of Adam. Adam had three sons. If you remember, Cain and Havel. Cain kills Havel, and then 130 years later, there's another son called Seth. Seth or Shais in Hebrew. All of humanity descended from Shais. How do you know that? Because Noach is a descendant of Shais. So whatever children Cain had don't exist anymore. They died out in the flood. So all of humanity are descendants of Shays. So when he says that it will undermine the authority of Shays, it means that all of humanity is going to recognize that Torah is a true Torah, God is a true God, and the Jews are God's chosen nation, and all the nations of the world will come to serve the nation of Hashem, or as, as Bilam, the non-Jew. Again, if a Jew were to prophesy that the non-Jews recognize the third of the Jews, okay, big deal. Here is the non-Jewish prophet saying that I see them in the distance, in the future, that all of the descendants of Shays, meaning all humanity, will come to recognize the greatness of the Jews and their, and their authority. And one very interesting thing, why is Mashiach described as a shooting star? Darach Koychav Miyakev, a shooting star. What's the reference of a star? That's true, Abraham counted the stars, and the Jews are compared to stars. That's very good, very good. But a shooting star goes across the whole world, right? It goes from one end to the other end. Mashiach is going to gather the ingathering of the exiles. The ingathering of the exiles means they have Jews scattered all over the globe. And Mashiach is likened to a shooting star, and he's going to go across the entire globe to gather all the Jews that are all over the universe. The Kabbat, we said in the, we said in the Shema, before, the Shema, right before the Shema, the blessing of the Shema, that he'll gather in from all four corners of the earth, right? May Abba confess the Aretz, he'll gather us together. That's Mashiach. Side, the very interesting historical note, what happened with Bar Kochba? Rabbi Akiva thought Bar Kochba, you know Bar Kochba, the famous Bar Kochba revolt, we're not getting too distracted. He thought Mashiach, the Mashiach. Rabbi Akiva thought he was Mashiach. And he was called Bar Kochba, it wasn't his actual name. Right. Why was he called Bar Kochba? The son of a star. It's based on this verse. Because Darach Koychov, Miyakov, the Mashiach is described as a shooting star that will come out of Jacob. So Rabbi Akiva gave the name Bar Kochba, the son of a Kochav, the son of the star, based on his understanding that Bar Kochav was Mashiach, based on our verse that we just read, that, be a, that Mashiach will be described as a star shooting across the world. That's, that's where the name Bar Kochba comes from. And why was he mistaken? Ah, uh, because so he ended up sitting, it wasn't the right time. Bar Kochba could have been Mashiach, but the Jews weren't ready for it. There wasn't the time the Mashiach was meant to come. Yes, every generation has a potential Mashiach. I don't want to go, like, whatever. Every generation has a potential Mashiach. And theoretically, if Mashiach would have come at that time, Bar Kokhba would have been the one. But instead he ended up sinning. And instead of being Mashiach, he ended up sinning and therefore going into uh, nothing. Losing the battle and becoming just another member of history. And uh, we're still in exile. Okay. Then, after he finishes, that a ruler will come out from Jacob, he will destroy the remnants of the city of the land of Seir. The land of... Oh, sorry, I skipped the verse. <clears throat> Baha'i Adam Yeresha. Adam 
will become inherited. Edom is the land of the Edomites, which is, uh, which is the descendants of, of uh, Esau. They will be possessed by the Israelites, right? The, the enemy of the Jewish people, Esau, which became the next the Roman Empire, etc., will be possessed by the Israelites. Har Seir. Seir is the Mount of Seir, which was like the capital, the kingdom where Esau was based, which was a fight when Yaakov was traveling with Esau, when Esau and Yaakov meet. So Yaakov, Esau says to Yaakov, come travel with me to Mount Seir. Yaakov says, it's not now. The sheep are too young. I can't go now. One day I'll get there. The one day is a reference to this verse also, to the times of Mashiach, when then, we've said also today in Davening, that the Redeemers will go up on the mountain of Zion, Lishpait Esar Esav to judge the mountain of Esav. Now that day, God's name will be probably one. His name will be one. Reference to conquering the mount of Seir, the mountain of Esav on the day of Mashiach. At that time, a ruler will come out from the Jewish people. He will destroy the remnants of Rome, which is the descendants of Esav, who had destroyed, who had fought against the Jewish people. And then he continues, Bilam. He starts looking around. And each nation that he sees, he looks around. Oh, Amalek! Let me tell you what happened to Amalek. He describes Amalek. He lifts his mushal, his analogy, his parable, and he says, Reishis goyim Amalek. Amalek is the first of the nations. Why are they the first of the nations? When the Jews left Egypt, the first one to attack the Jewish people was Amalek, right? They were waiting there right when we left. We, we discussed this so many times. They were the ones that attacked the Jewish people when we were still very young and vulnerable, and they came and attacked, and they just cooled off the waters of the people that were afraid of the Jewish people. And that's why Hashem said, we have a, mem- a mitzvah to remember what they did to us and to destroy them. We didn't do it yet, but raised so they are the beginning of the nations. But their ending will be a complete obliteration, a complete destruction, which is, so they were the first ones to attack us. Their end is that when Mashiach will come, we will absolutely destroy Amalek. Nothing will be left of the nation of Amalek. Then he looks, and, he's, and again, there's much to explain why is Amalek the beginning of the nations, the beginning of all evil, of the forces of impurity, begin with Amalek, whose ideas of doubts against God, it's not for right now. Then he sees the Canaanites, the Canaanites, the Canaanites, the Canaanites in English, or the Canaanim, are the descendants of Yisrael. So they came from non-Jew, but they converted, they became righteous, they became Jews, and they became, they became part of the Jewish nation. In fact, as we already discussed, they became members of the Sanhedrin, the descendants of Yisrael, we had a whole discussion a few weeks ago back about if the descendants of Yisrael went into the land of Israel or not. Yisrael wanted to go back home. Moses said, come with us to the land of Israel. So Yisrael's children, for sure, went together with the Jewish people. And they ended up becoming very illustrious members of the Jewish people. Members of the Sanhedrin were from the family of Yisrael called the nation of Canaan. And they were part of the ten tribes of Israel that were conquered by Sancheriv the king of Assyria, and taken into captivity. So they were lost. Today we don't have these families. They're part of the ten tribes that were lost to the Jewish people. But one day, they will be returned to the Mashiach will come. Ten lost tribes will once again be reunited with the rest of the Jewish nation. will all be gathered together. So that's the next prophecy. He sees the Canaanites and he, lists his, he says his parable. And he says about them, Eisan Meishavecha How firm is your dwelling place? Your nest is set securely in a cliff, meaning that you're members of the Sanhedrin, you're the high court of Israel. And how did you marry this Yisrael? Me and you were buddies, sitting in Paro's court. I ended up where I am now, and you, your children, will become part of the future. And therefore, your merit will protect you. And even though the land of the Canaan will be laid bare, barren wasteland, meaning the destruction of the north of Israel, when Assyria, how far will Assyria 
take you captive, but nevertheless, you will survive and you will return. Does he talk about the Assyrians? So now he talks about the, 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 the prophecy of the next nation, about Sancheir, about the Assyrians. And he says, he lifts his parable, he says, who can survive when God will oppose these things? Who can survive from these uh, different things when the Assyrian king, Sancheir, will come and dislocate every nation that he conquered? He moved them elsewhere and destroyed the whole fabric of all the nations. And then the ships will come from the land of the, king, of the Kitim and will afflict these empires and they'll go to the other side of the Euphrates River, meaning that the, the nation, the kingdom of Rome will now conquer the whole earth. But in the end, it too will perish forever. It will be destroyed. And then, Bilam arose, and he returned, and he went back He went back to his place. What does it mean he went back to his place? He went back to his hatred for the Jewish people. You would think that he learned his lesson. You would think that maybe now he would be a little reformed individual. He went back to his place. His hatred for the Jewish people remained with the full intensity as before. And so too, Balak returned to his place, his way. What was his way? To hate the Jewish people. Which will bring us to tomorrow's story, which is the plan to make the Jews sin by the valley of Shittim and the sin and the plague of Lotsu as a result of that.